listening to the sixth episode of the Down on the Farm podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Grosnick. The Down on the Farm podcast is a companion to the Down on the Farm newsletter available for subscription on Substack, where we cover all things minor league baseball with our professional data-driven point of view. Uh, today's special guest is uh, somebody I'm really excited to talk to. It's Ben Heller of the Durham Bulls, uh, formerly of the New York Yankees. Um, and he's coming off a really awesome performance last night against Jacksonville. And we're just going to chat for a little bit about what the minor league experience has been like, what um, things have been, how things have been going for Ben. And uh, we're definitely going to dig into a little bit about some of the new uh, pitch characteristics that he's uh, flashing this year for the 2023 season. So, Ben, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for for chatting today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on and excited to get into it. Awesome. Awesome. So I think maybe just the best thing to do is to start for our listeners. Just give me a little bit of background on what your journey through the minors and the majors and now back to the minors has been uh, over the last few years. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I'm I'm from small town, Wisconsin, so uh, not exactly a baseball powerhouse part of the country. Um, just grew up loving the game, always kind of dreaming of playing in the big leagues someday. And, uh, um, but was, was never really all that gifted of a player naturally. Um, you know, I, in high school, I was, I was solid, but nothing special and ended up um, pitching at an NAIA school, Olivet Nazarene university in Bourbonnais, Illinois. Um, actually the only other baseball, major league baseball alum from there is Ben Zobrist. So I am in good company there at least, but Producing um, all the baseball bends that you can. Yeah, have. yeah, exactly. And apparently the Rays have a thing for Olivet Nazarene uh, players. But um, I was fortunate enough to be a 22nd round draft pick of the Cleveland Indians at the time in 2013. Um, came up through the lower minors with them and had a great experience. Um, I was very much a non-prospect when I got drafted. I was a senior sign as well, so you know, kind of the type of guy who, you know, usually is out there just to throw, throw meatballs to the actual prospects. And uh, um, thanks to, in large part to the Indians um, player development group and, you know, the, the pitching group there, I was able to really uh, kind of, um, well, I gained a lot of velocity and, and just refined my, my arsenal and kind of took those next steps as a pitcher, um, really just uh, kind of changed the trajectory of my career there in my, my first few years in the lower minor leagues. Um, fast forward to 2016, that's when I was traded over to New York um, in a, you know, in a big time trade, which was cool. I feel like um, looking back at that, like I just blacked out for like two months during 2016. Like it was such a whirlwind um, in maybe, you know, we could get more into that, into the actual trade if you want, but it was, it was unique. And very uh eye opening um going like being part of a a big time trade there as a player um but anyways so yeah then spent parts of i think 5 years with with the um Yankees um was fortunate to uh throw you know throw some big league innings for them and also spent a lot of time in triple a for them so um yeah great experience over there and then um, kind of ran into some injury problems in 2018, and really from then until uh, just last year is when I'd say I finally started to get healthy. I was, I was really just battling injuries for you know parts of four or five years, whatever it was, and um, kind of bounced around a little bit. Was I signed with the Diamondbacks in spring training of 21? Um, ended up getting hurt and didn't work out there, and then um, 
rehabbed 21 and, and into 22 last year and got healthy and signed with the twins at the end of last year. Um, things did not go well on the mound there, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like all along, you know, through these injuries, I've kind of always known deep down that if I ever did get healthy and, um, you know, kind of get back to being the pitcher that I knew I could, that, that I was still a big leaguer and, you know, I could be a high level big leaguer at that. So, um, I think that that sort of belief in myself has, um, been a big part of what's kept me going, um, through all these injuries. And yeah, so now landed with the Rays. It's been an incredible experience here so far through spring training and starting the season out in Durham. It's been a lot of fun. Um, got a good group of players and, um, the pitching group here has been awesome. So yeah, really enjoying it and super thankful to still be playing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much, I mean, not to put too fine a point of it on it, but it's like pretty much the polar opposite of the time you spent with St. Paul last year. Like you've so far gotten into two games, you've gotten a save, you've just been absolutely lights out with five strikeouts. So it's it's great to see that kind of rebound um, coming into this season and and things are looking looking really good for Durham this year, especially with the the collection of pitching and, and offensive talent you guys have. I know you haven't been quite as successful in the first few games of the season as uh, as you'd like as a team but I mean it, it definitely looks like for you know somebody who's been in the game for 10 years it, it looks like this could be uh, hopefully your your biggest and best season yet oh absolutely yeah and I think everyone on the team can kind of sense it like we have a lot of really good players you know a lot players with big league time and then a lot of exciting young prospects um both position players and pitchers. Um, so there's no doubt that there's a lot of talent. And I was joking around with some guys yesterday. Like I, I feel sorry for the, for the young players who are coming up with the Rays, you know, just how loaded the system is like, you know, just being blocked or, or anything like that. But yeah, it's, it's an awesome squad. And I think that kind of pushes everybody to the next level, um, you know, just being surrounded by really good players. So it'll be a fun year, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to to following along. So, um let's talk a little bit about you as a pitcher. So, like if you can walk through for our listeners a little bit, what's your like self-scouting report? How do you see yourself as a pitcher if you had to describe, you know, your arsenal and and how you go out there and approach opposing hitters? Yeah, I think at my core, I I see myself as very much of a power pitcher, um yeah. kind of a a stuff guy if you will. Um that's that's what kind of got me through the the early minor leagues. That's what got me to the big leagues, um, why I was a part of the trade that I was. And um, yeah, so, you know, kind of the typical overpowering fastball to pair with uh, a strong breaking ball um, and just attacking hitters. You know, I've command is, is certainly not one of my strengths, but I, I'd like to say control has been something that I've um, had most of my career. And I think it, it pairs well with my my type of power mindset where I'm just attacking guys, not trying to be too perfect in the zone, you know, just kind of challenging guys. And um, I kind of think of it through the lens of like what what an outing would have to look like when I'm at my best in order for, um, you know, in order for the team to kind of produce some runs off me. And I feel like it's really, you know, quite rare for teams to string together, you know, three, four, five, whatever hits in a row, you know, really smacking the ball around against me. So um, I feel like with that, with that mindset, just staying 
staying aggressive in the zone and, and basically forcing the hitters to, uh, to try and beat me, you know, not, not beating myself. And I know that over the course of a season, if I just kind of um, stick with that approach, it's generally going to work out. You know, you may have a few outlier outings here and there where things don't go your way, but um, overall, you know, it's, that's kind of been the mindset that's worked through most of my career and my approach. So. No, that's great. And I mean, we've heard a little bit, um, you know, public facing folks about um, how the Rays seem to be taking this path of just like, let your stuff go and pump the ball down the zone. And uh, it sounds like with your kind of uh, self-scouting report as yourself as a power pitcher, and you do have like some pretty crazy stuff. We'll get into that a little bit later on, but like, you know, that seems to be something that it, it seems to align pretty well with what you're saying. It's just make the other hitter beat you and uh, work in the zone and let your, let your power stuff kind of see what it can do. Yeah. So it's been very refreshing having that mindset um, reinforced back to me. And uh, I, I think it's something that I've really gotten away from the last few years and, you know, part of it's due to the injuries, but I think kind of through the injuries. So, you know, going back to, uh, so I had TJ in 2018 and then 2019, I finished the year um, post TJ. That was my first year healthy again, and I, so I've I've pitched sparingly since yeah. 2019. But I do I you know I have still thrown some innings. But I feel like um, after the injuries, I've really um, for whatever reason I, I think I started to try and become a different pitcher, a pitcher that I'm not. You know, I, I was very much trying to be more of a command guy and almost like a slider specialist for for a while there. Um, you know, I I lost some of my velo coming off the injuries and um, you know, kinda felt like I wasn't able to throw my fastball by guys anymore. And so I just started to lean very heavily on my slider. And then when I did throw fastballs, I felt like I had to be perfect with them and just getting into a lot of bad counts, um, you know, just not throwing the ball with confidence and all those things I feel like are probably the reason why, you know, things didn't go so well for me. Um, the last, well, last year for sure. But even you know, before that, like when I, when I had pitched post-injury, I feel like I just wasn't ever quite at my best. And so when I showed up to the raise and, uh, Kyle Snyder was, you know, very, very much of the mindset like you're a power pitcher you have a nasty fastball and a nasty breaking ball but you're going to challenge hitters and that's good enough and I was like whoa that's how I used to pitch back in the in the minor leagues and like my early big league days I I used to be a power pitcher and that's awesome that these guys think I still am and they want me to throw like that and I feel like in a way is just very freeing and and gave me even more confidence to know that the organization had that, that sort of uh, belief in me and my stuff. Yeah, no, that's, that's super great. It's, you know, we, we talk a lot about fit, um, you know, what, what's a right organizational fit for the development of guys. And uh, it sounds like what we've got right now is a really nice clean fit for you and the, and the Rays organization in Durham. So that's, uh, that's really heartening to hear. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the injury issues that you've you've kind of had to work through over the course of your career. Did they require you to make any sort of like major mechanical adjustments coming out of the injuries, or is it about going back to where you were, you know, prior to the injuries? Have you tried to do anything a little bit different to, um, you know, adjust after after you know what what we would probably consider some pretty pretty regular normal pitcher injuries, but pretty devastating ones at the same time. 
Right. So I think I've always had a pretty unique way of throwing, you know, arm action. I guess a lot of people would probably call it quirky or herky-jerky, whatever you might call it. And, um, you know, that's it's a double-edged sword because it's a big part of what makes me effective. You know, I'm, I'm not kind of your standard um, right-handed pitcher out there, just, you know, like a pitching machine to guys. But also, I'm the way I move anatomically is not uh, the most stress-free uh, way of throwing a baseball on the body. And so, you know, you, you kind of, you, you pile up the reps and the pitches over however many years and started to kind of take its toll on me, which is, I think, you know, what got me to the point of, of needing TJ in the first place. But then when I, when I look back, I feel like a big mistake was during my um, return to throwing phase from, from Tommy John, I really babied my throwing program. I didn't train the same way that I had trained in order to become an upper nineties thrower. You know, I, I trained as if my, my arm was wrapped in bubble wrap and just didn't push myself a lot. And I feel like I kind of developed some bad mechanical habits there and, and almost just like train my body to get used to throwing at like 90% effort instead of like ever finding that next gear of, you know, cranking it up to, uh, you know, back to the same velocities that I used to have. Um, but I think those uh, those mechanical bad habits that I got into, um, well, not only made me less effective as a pitcher, but also continued to place a lot of stress on my arm. And that led me into even more injury problems, you know, coming back from TJ. So I had, um, you know, I had some shoulder issues come up. I had a stress fracture in the elbow uh, with, when I was with the Diamondbacks. I had um, I had. I guess I had some back stuff that was kind of unrelated, but really just never felt good. Never felt like I could throw the ball pain-free at max effort for any sustained amount of time. And um, that's, so that kind of brings me to last year, um, I guess early of last year when I, I was healthy on paper, you know, I, I didn't have any major injuries that I was recovering from, but I was, still not feeling good. And I was throwing like 88 miles an hour. And I was like, well, either I need to make a change or I'm going to, I have no place in this game anymore. And so at that point, I actually went down to Tread Athletics in uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and basically just told them like, hey, I'm I'm an open book, whatever you think I need to do in order to uh, to get back to uh, where I was, I'm, I'm game for it. And so um, Ben Brewster's kind of the the main guy who headed it up for me, but really all the guys down at Tread are are awesome. And they we kind of changed some things with my delivery, my arm action, cleaned up my arm action. And yeah, they basically said like the way you're throwing right now is it's putting a ton of stress on your arm and you're not getting in the positions that you need to in order to throw hard. So it's kind of the the worst of both worlds, really. Um so we made some mechanical adjustments there. Um kind of changed some things with my um, with my training a little bit to focus more on mobility, um, flexibility type stuff rather than like brute strength. And so I think, you know, kind of putting all that together um, finally got me throwing pain-free and the velo has just, you know, kind of steadily climbed. Like, it, you know, last year with the twins wasn't great, although I, I was healthy. I, I'd say my um, poor performance was more due to like rustiness than anything else. But having this um, this 
off season then after the twins coming into this year to just keep hitting things hard and uh, working on the same stuff was was a big opportunity um, to you know to just keep reinforcing the the new patterns and the new training regimen and yeah my velo just kept climbing like this this preseason you know this winter I was throwing bullpens at like 94 95 which I've never done in my life even back you know my early early days when I was throwing hard at like that time of year I was never throwing 94 95 so I was like hey maybe you know maybe we got something special brewing here and so it's been cool to kind of see the process actually work um you know it's I think a lot of athletes maybe you know you, you you hope the process works of, you know, you're putting in the work and the time and in your training and development, but, um, it, it's actually really cool when it, when it pays off and it starts to work and it wasn't necessarily a quick process, but, um, yeah, I'm very thankful for, for all the guys who've helped me along the way and, and just to have rediscovered this, this type of stuff. It's, it's been really cool. No, that's awesome. That's, that's really awesome. So, Let's talk a little bit about your pitches. So I think the big thing that's jumped out to everyone watching the data um, or your actual performances this year is the sinker. So it looks like you've transitioned a little bit away from a four-seamer and towards a sinker for your fastball, and it looks awesome now. So do you want to talk a little bit about what that process was like, changing up your repertoire, um, you know, changing up that pitch a little bit? Yeah. So my whole life, I have thrown a four seam fastball. And even though I have kind of a lower slot, I I call it low three quarters slot. um, I never really gave a two seam a real chance or a sinker. Um, And I think, you know, this was before the days of understanding what vertical approach angle was, but I think I probably benefited significantly from, from the VAA and, um, so yeah, kind of early in my career, I, I was, you know, I, the four seam played well. Um, I also think my, my arm slot was a bit more over the top. So maybe I was getting a little more carry, but, um, it, the last few years, uh, and so showing up to spring training this year, you know, I, I kind of started out with my, my same four seam fastball and, um, I don't know, you know, how familiar, you or, or your listeners are with kind of track man numbers, but we were, I was kind of sitting at like the, like 12 to 16 inches of, of, uh, carry a vertical movement on my four seam, which is pretty average. I think 14 inches is about average. Um, so, you know, kind of talking to Snyder, he's like, well, you have a lot of run on your four seam fastball. I was getting like, like 14 to 16 inches also of, of horizontal movement. So it's just kind of like a weird profile. Like it, you know, normally four seam fastballs are like less than 10 inches of horizontal movement. And, you know, you're looking for maybe 20 inches of, of ride. And I was nowhere near that. So he's like, well, let's, let's just try a sinker. Let's see what happens when you throw a two seam. And I think the first two seam I threw was like 22 inches of, of horizontal break and like six inches of vert. And he was like, uh, yeah, let's, let's go with that. That's a much more of an outlier pitch and plays well to your arm slot. So, um, it was really as simple as that. I mean, I think the, the beauty of it is that it is so simple and that, that sinker has almost been hiding in plain sight, I guess you could say my whole career. Like it, looking at it now, like it, it was such an obvious low hanging fruit, like to just embrace that, like 
with my arm slot. And that's like, I don't have to think about manipulating the ball. I don't have to do anything interesting. I just, I grip it like a two seam fastball and I just throw the ball and it moves like that. Um, so yeah, it was cool kind of seeing, you know, seeing them like kind of help, I guess, funnel me into that sort of thing. Like, I feel like with, with everybody, with every pitcher, they're probably just trying to find what guys do naturally well and what sort of like outlier characteristics they can um, sort of bring to the forefront. And yeah, so for me, that, that was the sinker. And then, so for your breaking pitches, um, I think we generally speaking have a little trouble trying to classify them. Um, I know in the past it's shown up as a curve as a slider is two different sliders. The savant calls it a sweeper. Uh, Brooks brace baseball calls it just a regular slider. So how are you approaching your, your breaking stuff this year? Yeah. So my, uh, my sweeper, or I, I've also seen it called a curveball. I think baseball savant called it a curveball for many years. That was, um, I I've always just had my one breaking ball. Um, it's been, you know, it's been my, kind of started out early in my career as more, a little more of like a harder, smaller breaking ball. But as the years have gone on, it's, it's become harder. And then, you know, with the use of, of Edgertronic and TrackMan, I turned it more into a true sweeper. Um, But that, so that's the other adjustment that the Rays have had me make is they actually had me add in, uh, I'm calling it a cutter, but it's really a hard gyro slider. So I'm throwing two different breaking balls right now. I'm throwing the the sweeper, um, which that, you know, like I said, that's my old breaking ball. And then the new one is like the kind of, you know, 87 to 90 miles an hour and basically like zero horizontal, you know, and then kind of zero to five vert. So really, if you look at my um, like pitch plot, it's basically like the sinker and the sweeper are 20 inches in either direction. And then the, the cutter is right in the middle. And I have absolutely loved having that pitch. I can't, I cannot overstate how, how awesome it's been having that pitch. And it feels like a safety blanket, like not only is that pitch the easiest pitch for me to throw for a strike, um, but it also, I feel like it just, it completely changes the way that hitters have to approach me because I feel like with the, with the two extremes, you know, sinker and sweeper going in opposite directions, hitters basically just eliminate one or the other and they're bound to get the pitch they're looking for at, at, at some point. So it really just let hitters, you know, kind of sit and wait for their pitch and wait for it to be in their spot. Um, so having that, that pitch, you know, that neutral pitch in the middle of those to, to keep them honest has been um, really a godsend. I feel like that's probably, I mean, the ha- like switching to the sinker has been a big part of why I'm throwing the ball well right now, but I'd say, adding in that cutter gyro slider has been almost every bit as beneficial to, uh, to my pitching this year. See, that's really awesome to hear because, you know, when, when a lot of people look at it from the outside, we look at the data, we see like the enormous movement on the sinker and we see how hitters are really struggling with it, but the, it's the mix that tends to give you a little bit more comfort. It tends to offset the other pitches, like you're saying, so they can't just sit on one or the other for the, for the sinker slider combo. So that's Mm -hmm. sinker sweeper combo. So that's really cool. And, um, and then as far as the change goes, I know you've thrown a change at times over your career. Is that something that you're kind of just keeping on the shelf for now? I mean, you, 
you don't you don't need four pitches, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so I definitely still have it. You know, I have it in my back pocket right now. And um I guess I'm I'm thankful and fortunate that I feel like I haven't needed it yet. It's always mm-hmm. kind of been more of a weapon against lefties. Um yeah. part of it is because the so the the cutter gyro slider has been that they really like that because they said it plays well to lefties. Um, the big sweepers don't play nearly as well to the opposite handed hitter. So um, giving me something moving in towards a lefty um, that wasn't a sweeper was a big point of focus for the, for the Rays. And so I think, you know, I've just to that end, I've been kind of trying to prioritize throwing that just to get comfortable, um, you know, confident with that. But um, I, I still like my changeup. It's yeah. I, I like it a little less now, actually, now that I'm throwing the sinker. Um, and you know, the the raised data guy kind of brought up a good point. He was like, your changeup moves very similar to your sinker. It's just like you know, 10 miles an hour slower, and so it just grades out as not really that good of a pitch compared to your sinker. Which it, like the old school baseball um, purist in me is like, well, it's about changing speeds, you know. But I know they have their stuff plus models that are based on actual data, and so you know, hearing him say it, say, put it like that, you know, does lend me to believe that you know the sinker, like if I want that kind of down and arm side movement of a pitch, like let's throw it at you know ninety seven instead of eighty seven. Um, so I guess it makes sense in that in that way, but um, I'm sure I'll still be throwing it here and there throughout the year, especially, you know, if I get the chance to, you know, pitch in the big leagues and kind of scouting reports starts to get out, you know, second, third time through through the same teams, you know, maybe give them a different look, something like that. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's really interesting. So thinking about like kind of the the use of these pitches and you talked a little bit about the data guys and them being able to give you some information that makes you rethink things. Cause you know, I'm kind of in the same position where it's like, well, if you've got the cutter and the changeup and they move relatively or the sinker and the changeup and they move like kind of in the same space, but one's 10 miles an hour off. I mean, that should be awesome. You could, you could go back to back on those and really mess with somebody. Yeah. Or you could listen to the data guy who just says, no, just pump it 97 and, and, <laughs> Yeah, that every time. So yeah. I, I guess kind of my next question then is like, you know, are there any other kind of data driven things? I know you go through the pitch design process and you've worked with, uh, you know, lots of different organizations, but like, you know, how is how is the data interaction going these days? Like, are you being able to really work with some of these different things other than than this particular item? I, I know the Rays have a reputation for being really great at communicating data to players um, throughout all levels of the organization. How much of that is what you take into what you do on a daily basis versus, you know, just trying to stay focused on on what you're already doing well and kind of kind of keeping in in that lane? I think they, uh, you know, they definitely have a lot of data and information that they can give you, but they, I think it, it's probably dependent on the player, but they won't overload you with stuff. And I think I've seen kind of a transformation in this sort of. Um, I guess you could say scouting report process or like advanced meetings, you know, kind of where you're going over like how to approach different hitters and how how each pitcher is thinking about approaching hitters or whatever attacking um, on, on a, any given day. And I feel like when I was coming up and even in my time 
in the big leagues with the Yankees, it was very much um, centered around what what a hitter's hot and cold zones were. So, you know, you kind of get like a heat map of of where a hitter does damage against certain pitches. And you generally kind of try and stay away from those zones. And I never really liked that sort of scouting report. I feel like it almost placed a little bit of doubt or fear in my mind as a pitcher, like, don't let the pitch go there. Otherwise they're going to crush it. And and that's just not the mindset that works for me. Like I need to be 100% fully committed to the pitch I'm throwing with absolutely no fear of failure, no worry of it getting hit, no worry of walking guy. Like, you know what I mean? Just the complete, complete confidence in the pitch that I'm throwing. So right now in the way the Rays have done it is it's much more centered around a pitcher's stuff, the pit, like the, the actual, you know, the pitches that, that we're throwing, not really uh, weight weighting as heavily where the hitter does damage. And so it, it, they almost flip it on its head and say, here's where you should throw your pitches. Like, you know, so it's, it's a heat map of like where your pitches play well. So um, and that's based on, you know, I'm sure their their stuff models and I'm sure they still factor in where the hitter does damage to. But just when you're looking at the scouting report and the heat map, it's like, OK, this is like, you know, you kind of have like a big red blob down and away on your slider to a righty. And it's like, OK, I can I can rip a slider and land it somewhere in that zone. And for me, that's it's just such a different mindset of like being able to attack with confidence and seeing this huge, you know, this, this zone where my, my slider is going to play or my sinker is going to play, um, to a hitter and just knowing, oh yeah, I can, I can attack and I have all that room for error. Like I can, I can for sure, you know, just pound, pound this slider, like, you know, up and into this guy all day and throw that pitch with conviction. And and the data says that it's probably going to be good more times than not. So, um, yeah, I'd say that's kind of the biggest thing. Um, as far as like the data that we get as pitchers and it's been an interesting viewpoint of kind of the evolution of, of how that data is used. Man, it's um, I don't know of many pitchers who have the collection of at least publicly facing, you know, you've, you've gotten to be in the, the Indians it's now guardians organization, mm-hmm. the Yankees, the, the twins are no slouches, the rays. I mean, that's like some of the best, <laughs> At least from yeah. the public uh, point of view, some of the best pitching development organizations in the game. Like you're mm-hmm. really, it, it's kind of cool. I, I think you know, at the end of your career, if you wanted to write a book about that, I, I definitely think there'd be uh, <laughs> there'd be a lot to learn from uh, from a guy who's gotten to see all of those organizations up close and personal. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate. I think about that a lot. How you know, I, if I wouldn't have been drafted by Cleveland, I don't know if I would have had the career that I've had. I probably would have been out of the game within a couple of years. And, uh, you know, then to, to spend, you know, my, my big league time with the Yankees and even like AAA there, like they're like, not only is it the, the most iconic sports franchise on earth, but they're, you know, extremely forward thinking and, um, had a lot of really smart people there. And now, now the Rays, I always used to joke around with people, like if the Rays ever want me as a relief pitcher, that's how I know I'm actually good. So kind of, kind of cool to see that. Um, but on the other hand, I I've kind of wondered at times, like, you know, in my times that I've had, like, you know, been through free agency or minor league free agency, whatever, I've never gotten calls from, you know, there's, there's teams that just never called like, well, I guess I don't need to name names, but a lot of the, a lot of the teams that, you know, maybe aren't quite so, 
um, analytical or forward thinking, like have never shown any interest. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but uh, it's definitely interesting to see, you know, the the type of organizations that have um, seemed to to come after me and, you know, want want to work with me. Well, I mean, so far so good, especially looking at the the start to your race career and uh, and how things have gone in Durham so far and in, in spring training. So, I mean, yeah. I think uh, whatever whatever is taking you to this point, I think you're you're in a great spot to be successful going forward. So, yeah, well, I appreciate it. Right, dude, in the right spot at the right time. Um, I. I have so many more things that I'd, I'd love to chat about, but I think we're going to call it for the day. But I, I am going to ask if, um, as the season goes on, if you want to come back and join us and let us know a little bit more about how the season's going and how your adventure through the minors is going. And hopefully you won't be available for it because you'll be pitching in the bigs. But we'll, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. That would be fun. Yeah, that we should, uh, yeah, we should make this a regular thing. I'd love to to catch back up and you know, hopefully the season keeps going well and I could give you even more um, interesting insights into into how the Rays operate um, the, the way they do. So that's, yeah. that's fascinating. Thank you so much, Ben. Uh, anything you want to plug uh, before I let you go other than uh, for, for folks to show up at the ballpark when they're in Durham? Oh, yeah. I mean, just, um, yeah, just supporting your your teams, support supporting Durham and the Rays. Um, I've been trying to share some more stuff on my social media. Um, it's a little tougher during the season, but it's kind of always been something on my heart to like pass down what I've learned to to the next kind of generation of of ball players. You know, I like I said, I I was never the the superstar young athlete, and I've really had to work hard in order to have the career that I've had. And so, whatever little nuggets I can pass on. Um, I'm, I'm excited to do that. So yeah, just on my social media, Ben Heller 21 on Twitter, Instagram, I'm on TikTok now too. So, um, yeah, if it's interesting, uh, yeah, check me out. Your regular Renaissance man. Well, uh, thank you again uh, <laughs> so much for, uh, for joining us. Um, and again, for our listeners, I'm Brian, this has been down on the farm podcast, uh, for more great minor league baseball content scores, prospect profiles, new data metrics, um, and daily updates there. Now that the season's going, we've got some great updates every day on what the slate of minor league baseball games is, who's doing well, who's doing um, big things on both the hitting and pitching side. You can visit us on downonthefarm.substack.com or on Twitter at downonthefarm12. We've got subscriptions. They're monthly and annual rates. We're very affordable. And uh, I think we've got a sale going on right now, but it depends on when you're listening to this. Um, so stop by your podcast provider, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us if you can. Give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next week for our next episode. Take care.